Welcome to the Sports Steady Podcast, episode 36. I am your host. And today, we got a couple things to talk about. In our first segment, we will be discussing some NFL news. And now, this is not really big, big news, but um, Tom Brady and the 49ers from last season, there was a little bit of interest there, according to... Shanahan, who admitted, I guess, recently. But I think we kind of already knew that. I, I, I remember when Brady, when there was the talks about if Brady would come back, if he would retire or not, there was always talks like, well, maybe he would. The 49ers were always in play. It was either 49ers, some people had Raiders, Miami for a brief second, but I thought Miami was a long shot. But we always thought the 49ers probably would have been the last stop. Brady comes home, retires in the area where he kind of grew up at. But it didn't happen. He ended up, I think he either ended up retiring for good. Or maybe that was the second year. I don't remember. I think it was the first year, second year, whatever. Anyway, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Also, the arrest of Patrick Mahomes' father. For uh, DUI charges, so we'll talk about that. There's some mixed, uh, there's some mixed opinions about that online. People are saying it's really nobody's business, but these outlets are reporting it. TMZ, Bleacher Report, and right before the Super Bowl, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL, and his dad is being arrested again and again for DUIs. It is something that will become a news story, but some people are not happy about the reporting of this apparently you're supposed to not report this if you are a news outlet so we'll discuss that and see if there's something there and then uh the charges hired somebody they made a hire we'll discuss the charges not uh jim harbaugh we know about that they made another hire so we'll talk about that also nba news uh there's some stories coming out with ben simmons and joel and b's Drama back when Simmons used to be a sixer. And that's stirring back up again. Rookie of the year race, of course, in the NBA. And um, what's going to happen for the rest of the year as all-star, as that midway point of the season approaches. And there's some a little bit of NHL news. I know, never talked to NHL before. We might get to it. Not a guarantee. Depends on how fast we get through the other topics. We might get to some NHL news with the Olympics and uh, stuff like that, and then whatever else we come up with in the time frame. So, first up, let's talk this Tom Brady business. Now, Tom Brady's been all over the place. He's on every podcast in America right now, all the good ones at least. And um, Brock Purdy, Purdy, who recently made headlines for coming out, and he was saying that the 49ers were interested in luring Tom Brady out of retirement during the offseason. So this is out of Purdy, Purdy's mouth, and Shanahan apparently confirmed it with Peter King from NBC Sports. Remember last year, Purdy went, underwent elbow surgery in March, right? And the 49er coach told him he would be the team starter unless Brady wanted to play for them. So, that was the that was the thing. If Brady wants to come, he's gonna start. And obviously, of course, Tom Brady's gonna start over Brock. He's Tom Brady, he's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. So Shanahan confirmed this to Peter King, said serious he was serious about pursuing the legendary 
single sing sing signal caller and that his interest was driven by questions about pretty status for the start of the 2023 season. He actually thought it was giving Brock the biggest compliment. Shanahan said, he said, I let him know he's our guy long term, no question. And if Tom Brady wanted to come here and start for one year, that's the only way you're not starting when you're healthy this year. He added, I mean, if Brock never got hurt, this wouldn't have been a consideration at all. I've never have I would have never brought it up. Hold up. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break. Sorry, guys. I have to be right back. I need a few seconds. Something just happened. I'll be back. All right, we're back. So, where were we? So, so Shanahan told Brock Purdy that he would, if he was healthy, he wouldn't have considered it. But being that Brock had the problems with the elbow, he went out and looked for Tom Brady. Now, do you blame Shanahan for doing that? No. Like I said, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. You'd be a fool not to at least consider it. So that's what happened. Now, Tom Brady turned down San Francisco after retiring for the second time. And Brady was ultimately healthy enough to be under center in week one. So, and then uh, 49ers went out and got Sam Darnold as the backup QB. Brady said he understood, you know. He was still irked after leading the team to the NFC championship game where he suffered an elbow injury during his rookie year. So he was upset about it, which is also understandable. Look, you just led your team to the NFC title game, and then the following offseason, you have an elbow injury, though, mind you. The following offseason, the team's like, hey, man, we're going to go out and pre- we're going to see if Tom Brady wants to play here. You know, so of course he's going to be mad. I, and, I, and, and I would question, I would have questioned him if he wasn't upset about it. Think about it. That might have fueled him to come back better the following year. Because think about it. Guys get hurt. Guys, he could have took that a whole different way. Think about the number of guys who get that type of situation happen to them. They don't, reach, they don't come back from that. Think about it. It doesn't matter who is there. Brady, any quarterback. If a guy says, hey, man, we're going to go out and get this guy. The guys don't take that well. They either... Feel like they're not they don't have the confidence in the organization, doesn't believe in them, or they put their head down like, oh man, you don't believe in me after I just led you to the NFC title. So he probably took that and said, you know what? I understand you gotta go out and get Brady. I don't like it. I'm mad about it. I'm irked. But I'm gonna go out here and work hard. I'm gonna prove to you, I'm gonna make sure you never even think about making that decision again. And that's what and look where they're at now. They're in the goddamn Super Bowl. So, you, you think Shanahan is looking at another quarterback this offseason? You think of, if, uh, I don't care, if Brady wants to come out of retirement next season, do you think the 49ers look at him after what Brock did this year? Probably not. Probably not. I don't think, it, I don't think that spot is available now. And that says a lot about Brock. Look, I would admit early on when I, when I was doing the NFL previews I didn't believe in Brock I thought Brock was I didn't think he would get it done I thought he you know saying I thought he got 
a bit lucky. I thought the 49ers would probably take a step back. He proved me wrong. He shut me up big time. Not so much because I didn't think he was good enough. I just thought that these type of situations, you know, it takes a couple more years. You know, you get hot quick, you get good, you get in a lucky situation. And the following season, sometimes things step back. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts. The, the Eagles last year, people could have sworn up and down the Eagles would, would be here this year. They seem to have taken a step back this season. People thought, oh, next season Hurts, is, he played great in the Super Bowl, right? Hand, went toe-to-toe with, with Patty Mahomes. And they thought the following season Hurts is going to be, he's going to come back next year and win it all. He's going he's gonna to be the MVP. He's going to dominate. We haven't heard much from Hurts. He's been kind of quiet all year. He was quiet for the most part. Eagles, yes, they won a bunch of games. They were good. But then when the playoffs came, they got blown out. They got beat. They struggled in different parts of the season. And that happens. You know? It's not a guarantee. When you get to the big game, or you get to a big game, whether it be the championship game or the Super Bowl, it's not a guarantee you will make it back. You got to work harder and harder every year. When Joe Burrow comes back, he's going to have to work 10 times harder than he did a few years back. Because when your time comes, it comes and then it goes. It's very short. You're not going to be like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, who's having his little run right now. I think he's got like six six straight years in championship games and a bunch of Super Bowls. It's very hard to get there. Ask Josh Allen. Very hard to get to these games, to the big, big games. Lamar Jackson, number one seed, top defense, top running game. Loses and doesn't even get to the uh, Super Bowl. It's not easy, man. So, so is so it's good that Brock is getting there. He could end up being the NFC's version of Patrick Mahomes if the team does good with the cap. And they, you know, he right now he's not making any money, which is different than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is making a lot of money. Brock isn't. So, what happens when Brock starts to get paid? Does the 49ers look the same? Are they able to? have that type of team the same way. Uh, will they be able to get guys to come over for discounts? So it's going to be interesting to see how they moving forward, how they deal with that. But the 49ers, they've been through a lot, right? Different quarterbacks, Kaepernick, Garoppolo, uh, different eras of Garoppolo. I mean, they've seemed to be able to plug and play pretty much any quarterback to have some type of success, whether it be getting to the NFC title game or getting to the Super Bowl. They've been able to build that type of team. So uh so we'll see. As uh Brock will host will be will take on the Kansas City Chiefs and if if, if I didn't go into conspiracy mode, I would say that the 49ers is probably the better team here, probably should win this game. But we have to factor in the other stuff, whether it be the whole narrative of Kelsey and Swift, right? If there's some kind of narrative there that maybe Kelsey proposes for, to tell Swift on Super Bowl Sunday, that is a story that's very attractive to the NFL. They will want that. Now, I think either way, the NFL can win here because if Brock wins the Super Bowl as Mr. Irrelevant, that's a big story too. And that's a big, that's a, to me, that's a better NFL story 
because it keeps it in sports than so for uh, the whole Kelsey and Swift angle. And Patrick Mahomes also winning is another football angle to it. So the NFL, I'm afraid that if the Chiefs win, see, the NFL here may bite off more than he can chew. Because if the Chiefs win, and now now maybe Kelsey doesn't propose because he understands that we do win. We need to make sure it keeps it on the Chiefs about Mahomes. He don't want to take away from Mahomes. Because if the Chiefs win and he proposes to, to Taylor Swift, Mahomes is going to be the afterthought in that scenario. Even though Mahomes, they're going to be talking about how on sports radio, yeah, there was a sports TV show, they'll talk about Mahomes and his Super Bowl run, can he catch Brady, blah, 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 all that stuff like that. But for the rest of the world, it'll be about Kelsey proposing to Swift and all this other stuff and Taylor Swift and everything like that. That will be the main story. And Mahomes will be almost a forgotten part. Now, that could be an issue. Now, the NFL will love that still because eyeballs will be on this game. They're going to have the biggest eyeballs in the history of the of Super Bowl, potentially, because of the whole Taylor Swift angle. Now, if 49ers win... NFL wins still because of the big story. Brock Prudy, Mr. Irrelevant, Super Bowl win. That's a great story for the NFL, for the NFL storytellers. When they go back to like doing NFL history, stuff like that. That's a great story in itself. But which angle are they going for? That's the question. Are they going for the football story? Or do they want the pop culture slash NFL story with the Kelsey proposing to Swift? Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. That could happen. I don't know if there's a betting on that or a likely scenario. But like I said, Kelsey, you know, this guy, he's a reality TV type guy. He likes this stuff for spotlight. There's a good chance that could happen. Maybe. Maybe not. But would Taylor Swift even want that, right? Does she, would she want to be on the grand stage being proposed to? That may turn her off. We don't know because... Taylor seems to be, I don't know it's her at all, but, you know, she makes albums. She really, you know, she doesn't seem like someone that really likes cameras in her face and that, all that stuff. Despite the fact that they put cameras on her face, she doesn't seem to like to be the center of attention outside of her own element. So does she really want to be the center of attention on Super Bowl Sunday after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and have Kelsey get on one knee? Now, Kelsey, only Kelsey would know because he's currently with her. He would know if he's been with her for a while. He would kind of understand that. Maybe he waits till after they get back to the hotel or they do it at home. Maybe they do it in a more private setting and they put it online. I don't know. Do I think he does it on Super Bowl Sunday? It would be a bold move. It would be a huge move if he did do it. If he did do it, I think it would be because the NFL kind of forced it. Then, and it also would prove that this whole thing was fake, to be honest. Because from what we see from Taylor Swift, she doesn't seem like someone that would really be into that. Unless there's some kind of agenda going. Right? I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But either way, I think the NFL will win. It depends on what storyline they would like the most. And we know the NFL is kind of scripted anyway. So that's another thing to consider in this whole thing. But uh, we're going to pick the NFL 
winners and losers, not on this podcast today, probably at some point during the week we'll do a video. But the whole thing is scripted, guys. We know it. It's been proof already. Scripted, scripted, scripted. Anyway. Now, uh, what was I going to say? Moving on, I, I went way over on that. I should have toned that down a bit. Moving on, we have... Uh, what else do we got? The... Uh, there's been a... So the commanders hired... Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator, I believe. Now, Kingsbury, who was in line for, I think, the Raider job, or there was another job he was in line for, he turned down. Yeah, he was in line. He withdrew his name from the Las Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator job after the contact, uh, contract negotiations broke down. Uh, so he was, he was going to take the deal, but then it broke down. And um, but instead the commanders went out and got he signed with the commanders, so he'll be the next offensive coordinator. He signed a three-year deal. The uh, Washington also hired defense uh, uh, secondary coach from the Dallas Cowboys and pass game coordinator Joe Witt, Joe Witt Jr. as the next defensive coordinator. So the commanders putting together some pieces here. Now what happened to Eric Bieniemy? You remember Eric Bieniemy was supposed to be this next this great offensive mind, and he left Kansas City, went over to Washington to be the offensive coordinator, and they thought he would be the head coach. What happened to him? Last year he was the talk of the town. Got to give him a head coaching job, or you're racist. This guy probably went on more interviews than anybody in the history of employment, of, of, uh, and he's never gotten a head coaching gig, not even close. But he's been on a lot of interviews, so. He's got plenty of experience. Teams know who he is. He's not some outsider. But for some reason, no no team is saying, hey, man, let's pull the trigger and give you a, a, a head coaching gig. So what's going to happen with Eric Bieniemy? Is he going to be forgotten? Should he sit out a year, maybe come back fresh? Or is he done? Right? Remember, two years ago, he was the hottest name that uh, was two or three years ago. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl uh, a few years back, everyone was saying Bianami was the next guy up. He's an offensive genius. Look what he did with Mahomes and all this stuff like that. A few years later, he's out of a job. So, what is going? This is this is why it's so important in the NFL. When you're when you're hot, you got to strike. If you don't, you're done. You, you're hot for a minute. And then people move on. Eric Bieniemy made a huge mistake when he took that Washington job. He should have either stayed with Kansas City or he should have figured out a way to. I don't know. I don't know what he should have done because I'm not. I'm not him. But he really screwed himself up. He really did. I don't know. I don't know what happened in Washington. Right, because they. They didn't even consider him for a head coach. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But, uh, and, and people thought he would be the next head coach, right? Like, Rivera leaves. Biennemi will step in and be the, he's the, he's the next head coach in waiting. And Biennemi probably thought the same thing. That's why he took the gig. 
But that's what happens in the NFL. You strike when you're hot. Once you're not hot, you're like the girl that nobody cares about anymore. Yeah, she was hot a couple years ago, but now we got some new some new girls in school now, some new girls on campus. You ain't the hot one no more. So, I don't know. Maybe he'll take a job. He should go to another franchise. There's talks about maybe the Patriots should have brought him in. Uh, Patriots went a different direction, though, but I don't know. I, I just think that it's weird because you got these different teams around the NFL who who are running these similar offenses. They're trying to uh, replicate replicate uh, what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. You would think that, hey, man, Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City. You'd think he'd be valuable, but no one thinks so. They're like, eh. yeah, we know he's with Kansas City, but it was all Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, not – Eric Bianami, he's not really that valuable. He wasn't that good. Right? That's what they're saying. That's what they're thinking. It's kind of messed up, but that's just, that's just how it goes. But, uh, hey, that's the NFL for you. That is the NFL for you. So, that's that on the Commanders. Now, the Commanders... Uh, Now, there was some more drama with Washington that didn't really end there, right? You remember um, Mike McDonald, who's the defensive coordinator with the uh, with the um, Baltimore Ravens. He got offered the job to be Washington Commander's head coach. But instead, he took the job with Seattle, right? Seattle came in, they offered more money, and McDonald said, I'm going. So uh, so the commanders pivoted to former Dallas defense coordinator Dan Quinn, right? So Dan Quinn, so here's the thing. So, so Quinn was the Atlanta head, uh, Falcons head coach uh, from 2015 and 2020. He went 43 and 42 in the regular season, 3 and 2 in the playoffs, including Super Bowl appearance during the 2016 campaign. So the Washington Commanders thought instead of promoting Eric Bieniemy to head coach, they said let's go out and get a 500 coach, a coach who's barely over 500 to lead the way, which is surrounded with Cliff Kingsbury and you know Joe Witt as the coordinator. So this is how lowly people think of Eric Bieniemy across the league when the Commanders they didn't want to give you a job. Also, uh, the commanders were looking at Ben Johnson, who was offensive coordinator with the Lions. But Ben Johnson decided to return to Detroit because Detroit is a better franchise right now. Uh, so, so a lot, a lot of things going on here with the uh, with the commanders, right? Just kind of wild. So. A lot of drama over there. But well, they figured it out. They got it. They got it. I guess they got their guy. I guess they got their guy. Uh, what else in the NFL should we talk about? Oh, yeah. Patty Holmes is dad. Now, look. DUI is not a, it's not a game, guys. It's really not. It's not. It's not a. It's not nothing to joke about. It's not a. Uh, I mean, excuse me, not D, DWI. 
Patrick Mahomes' father was arrested on suspicions of DWI, right? In Tyler, Texas, on Saturday, Mahomes Sr. is facing a driving while intoxicated for the third time or more. He was released on Sunday afternoon. His bond was set at 10000 According to the state law, it charges the third-degree felony and carries a sentence of up to 10 years in prison if Mahomes Sr. is convicted. Court records state that Mahomes Sr. had a previous DWI in 2018. The 53-year-old pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 40 days in jail. He served time on weekend days to fulfill his requirement between February 19th and February 2020. So, look, this this is a, a wild story, and it's only being reported, of course, because he is the father of Patrick Mahomes, who's the face of the NFL. And... I think that we have to instead look, I'm not gonna get into the whole trying to uh down the guy or trash the man. It's an irresponsible decision to be out there. He knows it, right? He he got in trouble for it before, so now he's gonna have to pay a bigger penalty potentially if he's found guilty. And you you got you gotta think that a good lesson would be in all this reporting that these people do, whether it be websites or um, bloggers or whatever, sports media sites, they could also put a lesson to people, to fans. Because fans read these articles, fans watch the TV shows, they're going to see the reports. This would be a good time to say, hey, you know, DWI is no joke. It has serious consequences, you know? Driving while intoxicated is not cool at all. And, and of course, the NFL really can't do that because they promote alcoholism at NFL games, right? People get plastered and drunk, and then they get in their cars and drive home after the game. So it's hard for them to, to play both angles here. But I think they should anyway. Yeah, they're hypocrites. Oh, well, but still. Or at least the people who are reporting on these outlets should take that opportunity to educate their viewers or to warn their viewers or to make an important note on why this is not good. If the league can't do it, because, you know, they're hypocrites. You don't want to say, oh, the league is hypocrites for promoting alcohol, but trying to tell us don't drink and drive. Then what about the writers, the people who report these stories? Right, because they want to get clicks, they want to put out the story about this man, Patrick Mahomes' father, because that's that's going to get a lot of eyeballs on the websites. Then how about take the opportunity to make a PSA about driving while intoxicated? Because we've had NFL players get arrested and kill people for being drunk behind the wheel. So this is not something that's like a one, like an outlier, like it doesn't happen. It happens, right? So uh, I think that we we should be better at at least acknowledging that or at least making it an emphasis to say, hey, this is not good. And we and hopefully Patrick Mahomes Sr., he gets the help he needs to get. Maybe I know Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to deal with this on Super Bowl weekend. He has to deal with his dad in the news. DWI's probably had to deal with this before. He doesn't want to go through that. So, but at the same time, we have to understand is this is a 53-year-old man, 
who needs to you know understand it. if you if you can't handle yourself it's a disease alcoholism could it's a disease folks when people can't help themselves they need help maybe he needs to get more help the good thing the good news is the Mahomes family they have resources that they can get him help but what about the average person who doesn't have any resources to get help think about it so this is this is a serious thing because I guarantee you this this stuff happens a lot it's not just we have people out there right now who are in the low to middle class range who don't have resources don't have the money to access as a Patrick Mahomes and they're going they they get caught up in this stuff a lot. They can't get help quickly. They got to, there's waiting lists for some programs, right? Or do you have to go you have to get to the point where you're on court order to get to a program and if it's a good program or not. They can't send you to a nice spot where you could pay, hey, I want my dad sent here to this rehab center where you pay like ten grand a month or whatever, I don't know. And you can sit up in a treatment place and get help most people don't have access to that many people don't 99% of people don't and most people have to hit rock 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 bottom before they even get a chance to get help so we we hope that Mahomes senior gets the help he needs and he takes responsibilities for his actions he's gonna have to that's just how it goes so that's enough for the Mahomes senior stuff you know I don't want to really go deep into and the thing is, is it really our business? Look, it's a sports talk. It's became, it's, it, it got into the sports news. So I just thought I took the time to try to address it from a different angle than to just pile on Patrick Mahomes Sr. Because it would be easy to sit here and go, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's a piece of crap. How could he do that? But enough people is going to do that. So I'd rather just talk about the fact that this is not this needs to be taken seriously. People need to know that DWI is not anything to joke about. And don't do it. Don't drink and drive. Don't don't do anything when you're driving. All right. So moving on to our that was kind of like our first segment, but we're gonna move on to second slash third segment here. NBA news with uh I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I haven't watched much NBA this year. I mean, I watched a few games. The NBA is unwatchable. It just is. I know a bunch of guys had a couple of sixty point games, seventy point games. It's unwatchable. And it's and it's so laughable how there's a narrative now to push LeBron as the GOAT. And Honestly, I don't I'm not surprised and I and I understand why it's the push. Because there's an era of basketball that will be um they need before LeBron retires, he needs to be the undisputed goat to save the NBA. Just 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 for purposes of saving the league. Not because we think LeBron is actually the best ever, but you cannot go through another generation of basketball where Michael Jordan is still the greatest of all time. Especially when you have a bunch of young fans who 
weren't even born when Michael Jordan last played. Right? So they only know LeBron. That's why a lot of guys in the league today, when they say LeBron's the greatest ever, because they see LeBron. They grew up on LeBron. And unfortunately, a lot of great guys didn't get to be, their history didn't get to be celebrated, like their career achievements, like Kobe ended up dying. So a lot of these generational guys who probably would have picked Kobe over LeBron, they only have LeBron now because they can't even go back to Kobe. Kobe's gone. But LeBron is now being pushed as the greatest of all time. And players, current players, even former players who are on podcasts are now saying that LeBron's the greatest, even though you can go back and see videos of them a few years ago of them saying something different. What has changed? Michael Jordan hasn't played a game since, what, 2003? And now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, LeBron's the GOAT. He hasn't done anything to change that narrative. He's playing in the weakest error in league history. The league, the weakest error in league history. League hasn't been this week since probably the 60s. And, but people will tell you that LeBron's doing more and more to become the GOAT because he survived, because he's playing longer. They don't consider the fact that this man is on HGH. He's taking steroids. He's on some kind of human growth enhancements on why he's able to return. And when he sits out, he sits out because he's cycling on and off and he needs to load manage so he can recover and come back. That's why he sits out when he load manages. I need to take a week off here. I need to take oh, two weeks off here. He did it in Miami. He did it with the Lakers a little bit. And that's what he's been doing to return to the game of basketball. There's plenty of... There's plenty of smoke out there. Smoke. Not enough for a fire. But where there's smoke, there's some fire that could be, that could come up. Now, no one wants to dive into it because who's going to break that story? Nobody's going to do an investigation. There's no really good sports journalists left in the business. And anybody who's still in the business is afraid if they want to continue to cover that sport. They're going to stay clear of this. And this is why LeBron James will not be the GOAT. And he can never be the GOAT. So I'm telling you guys right now, when you talk about LeBron James and his impact to the game of basketball, they're not going to allow this man to retire without making him the GOAT. They're going to force it somehow, some way. They are going to try to do it. Because the NBA will not allow another error to go past. Because after LeBron leaves, who, who, what do they got? What do they got? What do they got? Think about it. What do they have? 
Just answer that question. Who's going to carry the league? Who's going to be the next guy that's the closest to reaching the GOAT? Nobody. Nobody. A handful of players who... A lot of great players played individually great players. Not like overall, like guys who've been great. They built their brands. Since Michael Jordan retired over the last was 20 years ago, LeBron's been the one consistent guy in that dynamic. So who will they have in the next 20 years? Don't say Luka. Don't say Tatum. None of these guys are going to come close to being the GOAT because the NBA's era has gotten weaker. The league is at its worst. And I'm telling you right now, this is why they're pushing the narrative. LeBron has no business being in the GOAT conversation, to be honest. But they have no choice. They have no choice. They have no choice but to force it. Because they, they, they could be an opportunity. They may end up losing the league for good if they don't make them the GOAT. That's why that NBA 75 list is a joke to me because they added guys on that list. The sole purpose of that, and let me tell you something. The sole purpose of that NBA 75 list was so it could be geared to make LeBron the GOAT. That was the whole purpose of creating that list when they decided to create that list. The first 50, they had it, but then when they came back with the new new 75, they was like, we got to make sure we can gear this to make LeBron the GOAT. So we'll add guys who have no business being on that list, guys who are playing today. They had a whole bunch of guys, that, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, look, offensively, he could shoot long jumpers. You know, he had, he had decent moments. But we're talking about the history of the sport. This guy has no business being on the NBA 75. So about 75 of the greatest players to ever play in the league. He has no business being on there. And that's not a knock on Damian Lillard. Because the NBA's had hundreds and thousands of great players that have come through that league. Since the league has been in play. Thousands. Hundreds. Let's just say hundreds. So it's not a knock that you're not 75. But he has no business being on there. He just doesn't. But we know why they did that. Because they need to add more current guys. So you can. So you can acknowledge. So when they come up with these. Like when they say oh. Look what LeBron did. Like think about this. If say if the Lakers would have met up with Milwaukee in the finals. Right, and they don't even have to do this for Milwaukee. They met up in the finals, or if if, if uh, Damian Lillard would have stayed in Portland still and met up with the Lakers in the playoffs, and I think they did play in the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken. I think they did. I don't. I don't remember. But if LeBron, look, LeBron, he won the title with the Lakers, and he uh, went to look at all the NBA '75 players that were in that era. Damian Lillard, like they'll be mentioning Damian Lillard, and if LeBron saved the Lakers when they met up with Milwaukee and they beat Milwaukee. He beat two NBA 75 guys on the same team. That's just the type of narrative they're trying to set up. So you can say, yeah, LeBron beat 75, the great players. He's definitely the GOAT now because they have nothing else. They don't understand that 
LeBron has no realistic shot at the GOAT. If we're having an honest conversation about the greatest basketball player of all time in the NBA, he has no shot. Because he would never be able to do what Michael did. And also, you could still make the argument that Larry Bird was a better forward than LeBron James. That case can be made. It's, it's a close case. It's, it's close. LeBron will probably, in many, if you you know get down to it, LeBron edges probably edges out Bird. But to me, he doesn't. He won't edge out Bird in my in my uh, estimation. And, you know, he just doesn't. He won't. But he'll get the benefit of the doubt because he played long. But he played long in a very weak era. Think about it. If Larry Bird played in this era, he would play 20 years. He would have all kinds of scoring numbers. He would be unstoppable. He would be unstoppable. Larry Bird would be unguardable today. Unguardable. And you had the green light to shoot a lot more long jumpers, which would, and he wouldn't have to worry about banging and hurting his back because he wouldn't have to have to worry about guarding physical players in the paint like he did back then. His career would have extended another five, seven years easily. And who knows how many titles he would have got out of that. I'm just saying that when you talk about NBA basketball, GOAT conversation, you got to start with the era. To me, the NBA's best moments, the best, when I say best, I mean like the best stretch of NBA basketball for us. Competition, great players, great basketball, great bigs, great scorers, great guards. That time is probably somewhere between the mid-70s all the way to about 90... I would say 98. Just the combination of everything combined. Right? Was it was basketball terrible after 98? The Eastern Conference was. The Western Conference offensively was was pretty damn good. They had some big players. They had some offensive big scorers. Some teams that would score, right? You had the Sacramentos. You had the Dallases that didn't play D, but the Lakers, of course, with Shaq and Kobe. But uh, but the Eastern Conference was dreadful for most of that 2000s era. Dreadful. Dreadful. Across the board. I mean, that whole decade. I mean, it was on one team with the Pistons, the only ones. And they came through with the defense and they beat the Lakers. But that Laker run was overrated as well. You can point out the only reason look, the Lakers had tough. They went through some tough competition in the Western Conference. Right, seven games, Sacramento referees helped them that. They went seven with Portland. Portland goes ice cold in game seven. Fourth quarter, they were up. They blew a double-digit lead. Portland probably should have won that one. Sacramento should have won their game seven. So that Laker run was basically, they only had, I think the Lakers had pretty much one great run that was like, okay, they earned that title when they just, I think they went like 15-1. and one. That was probably the only legitimate title run. For the Lakers, to be honest, where they were like extremely dominant, and we talking about Shaq and Kobe, and they were really only dominant for one year. But anyway, but no one wants to have that conversation because they're like, "Oh, you're hating on the Lakers." We see what happened with the Lakers; they get used to get swept out of the playoffs, 
blowing out. San Antonio had their number. Duncan was whipping their ass. And then finally things turned around when the new century came around, 2001-2002. But even in between then, San Antonio got theirs. But then Detroit game went whipping in the finals. A 4-1 whipping at that. And San Antonio was probably the cream of the crop in the West throughout that whole time. From consistently top to bottom. Yes, they they didn't win every year. But consistency, I think San Antonio, that's why I say to me, Kobe uh, Duncan had a better run than Kobe, in my opinion. Just from a consistency standpoint. If you want to bring up consistency with LeBron's longevity, his consistency, then we got to do the same with Tim Duncan when we compare Duncan versus Kobe, Kobe's career. This is why Kobe doesn't enter the top 10-ish, in my opinion. Now, without, now, if you're not having Tim Duncan in that conversation, Duncan was probably the cream of the crop, the top guy in that era. Kobe was number two. Then you can go any other direction. You can go Shaq if you want, you know. But Shaq didn't dominate like he should have. Kobe and Shaq should have swept that decade. They should have put on a Pippen-Jordan-type Bulls run. That's what they should have done in those 2000s. From 2000 to 2010, that should have been Shaq and Kobe's era across the board. You don't lose to Detroit if you're legit. If you're legit. Now, early on, Shaq and Kobe lost. Right? They were getting beat. But if you're legit, you got you should be you should have won more than three. And you should have been more dominant. Like I said, one real dominant year between those three years. One real dominant year. Every other year was tooth and nail and some questionable calls that the NBA helped them out. In Portland, you could say, well, the Lakers weren't, they weren't, I watched that game seven. The Lakers didn't really dominate Portland for far as like, they didn't shut them down. These guys were missing open jump shots. They had missed like 14, they, went like, they, had, they missed like 14 shots in game seven. They were up by like, Double digits, 12 points like eight minutes ago, and they blew it because they just kept missing jumpers. And something was real fishy about that series because Steve Smith completely disappeared. After it was getting going, Steve Smith started doing good stuff. They had Bonzi Wells in the paint post up that the Lakers couldn't stop that at all. They had no answer for that. They kept, Every time Bonzi would get in the paint, they couldn't. he was backing them down, getting fouls called, and all of a sudden they just completely went away from that. They just started shooting outside jumpers. And it's like, why are you doing that? You're up by 12-13. And then the Lakers get back in it. All the fouls was a bonus. I mean, BS calls a little bit, but I guess it's part of the game. And then the Sacramento series, let's get started on that years later. I mean, the NBA completely botched that. And we know the NBA did not want to see Portland in the finals. <laughs> they can't sell that. Portland versus who was it, Indiana? Oh, yeah, no, no. We're not having that. <laughs> we are not having Portland versus Indiana. I think that's what it was. It would have been Portland, Indiana. Mm, no thanks. No, 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 no. We can't have that. We can't have that. But, but, but why? No, no, no. Sorry. No, no. Hey, look, Portland had a nice team, but they were undisciplined. All right. And they were the better team. They should have won that game seven, guys. Let's just admit it. They were better top to bottom. They should have won that series. 
But the NBA said, uh-uh. And look, did I say the NBA said, uh-uh, I mean, not really. I mean, Portland, like I said, they missed a lot of open jumpers. I mean, wide open jumpers. They were taking a lot of bad shots. A lot of bad shots. But anyway, back to LeBron, right? LeBron James is not the GOAT. And I know I, I, know, I, know I went off the rails here with LeBron a bit, but my point is that today's NBA is not watchable. It's not a good product. That's when LeBron's dominating a subpar, mediocre league, right? So that was my whole point of why I haven't watched any NBA basketball as much as I used to back in the days or the 90s or even early 2000s. But Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? So there was some comments. Uh, Simmons laughed off uh, hostile reception. So Ben Simmons got, I guess he got booed. He got booed when Simmons came into the game. Let's see if we can hear this. I want to see if we can hear this. This is the reception Ben Simmons got when he came back to Philly. And uh, oh. guess who's checking in on them? I can't tell. Oh, wait. Now I can. I can hear the booze clearly. Welcome back to South Philadelphia, Ben Simmons. You say it like you mean it. Did I? Sounded like you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the announcement's having a little fun there with Ben Simmons. So Ben comes back in the game. He's booed. You know, Sixer fans, Ben Simmons this season. He's averaging 7 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 and 7 assists. So um, for the Brooklyn Nets. And Ben responded. Ben said um, he played 14 minutes in that game. Had 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 14 minutes. Didn't score. And it's crazy because Ben Simmons is only 27 years old, folks. That's the wild part about it. Only 27 years old. That's wild. Like, you would think that he, this guy was like, I would have thought he was almost like 30, 31. Only 27. What a waste of talent. But, uh, so, he, um, he, he responded. He said, This is what my second, third time back, so it's a little different now. It's funny to me. I got grown men pissed off and yelling at me. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's not that deep. It's sports, but it comes with it, so I enjoy it. So that's what Ben Simmons said. So, yeah, he's been back to Philly a few times, so it's not like... And he just laughs it off, right? Come on. This guy's making, like, what, $30 million a year. He's just laughing at a bunch of guys who overpaid and paid his salary overpaid his short to a game to boo a guy who used to play for you. Look, this this is what the these athletes, while they are bothered, but they come out and say they're not, but they'll try to take a jab at you and say, oh yeah, you know, my bank account or at least I can afford it. Like I saw one guy on Twitter, one athlete, I don't know if he was an NFL guy or I don't remember what sport it was, but he says that he has money to go on vacation. He said, at least I have money to go on vacation. Because that year it was football because I think a team got eliminated from the playoffs. And one of the people online, the Twitter, X or whatever, said, enjoy your vacation. And then the guy said, at least I can afford to go on vacation. So these guys, they'll they'll jab back with their wallets, let you know that they got more money than you. And 
I'm better than you in life and stuff like that. So that's a little jab that they'll do. But we know that it does bother them because if it didn't, they wouldn't respond to it. That's the thing. Like, why why would you have to respond to a random person online if you're not really, if it doesn't get to you? We know that these athletes are softer and more sensitive than ever ever before. So comments like this does bother them. That's why Kevin Durant had a burner account because he was bothered by comments. He to he's bothered by these things. They care what people say about them, what people think about them, even though they'll try to tell you tell you they don't, because they want to be liked. They want to be worshipped, and if they're not worshipped, then to them, they feel like they're lost. They feel like they're lonely. That's why people. It's the same thing with the influencers and all these popular people who did not earn their celebrity, right? When you when you when you earn your 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 fame and you earn and I'm not saying basketball players don't earn their celebrity, but let's face it. They 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 get they get uh popular popularized, they get cameras and if they get a lot of exposure just for playing a sport. Right? Whether you think Yes, of course, you have to work hard to be at the best at your level. But the rewards for that is crazy, right? $30 million a year just to shoot a basketball, to hit a baseball, to, you know, throw a football. That's crazy amount of money to have. That comes with a lot of extra exposure, right? Commercials, ads, people want to see you. People want you to sign autographs. So... And people love you. So they would like that. They like that. But when but people who work hard and grind and make it from the bottom and actually create stuff that is beneficial to the world, those people don't care about what average people think about them. They don't. It's always usually the people who have been given riches for the bare minimum. Right, those are the people who always seem to be because they. I think deep down inside they understand. Damn, I really don't deserve to be making forty million dollars a year. That's crazy. I'm making fifty million dollars just to play basketball. I don't deserve this. This is way out of. This is crazy. So that's why they like. They know deep down inside that they're just. They're, they're, they're just. They're on another planet. And they don't know what to do with that. So when they see people who don't like them or may criticize them, they feel like they got to jump on them. And also when they do that, they kind of activate their own fans. Because that's another slick thing they do too. They purposely go after these people because they know as soon as they respond, all the people that like them will go after that person too. So they don't even have to waste their time. It's, it's almost like sicking, sicking your fans on your haters or your doubters or your people who criticize you. And that's why a lot of these media people are afraid to do any real reporting on athletes to really criticize them because they know if the athlete singles that reporter out and says, hey man, I heard what you said about me on the paper. I saw that article. Every one of that fan of that player will go and attack that reporter, which is crazy. 
That's why they're all kissing each other's ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, LeBron's the best. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest because LeBron is tied in. He has the agency. He has, he's the GM. He has, he pretty much runs the NBA. So, so if you don't give him favorable coverage, you're done. You forget about getting a job in any type of coverage of the NBA. So, and not just LeBron, many players around the league who have connections will make sure you don't get the good assignment. You'll still be employed by your, your publication, but they'll put you on a crappy assignment instead of covering the Lakers. You'll probably have to cover local high school or a team that sucks. Maybe you have to cover the Clippers. I don't know. The Clippers are not bad, but I'm just saying. You don't get invited to the parties. And stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like guys want to be, they want to be at the parties. Plus, the you know, they want to be at the club. They want to be inside the know-how. And if you don't give favorable coverage to these athletes, you will not get the invites. You will be on the outside looking in. And that's where we're at, guys, in today's sports world. And now, me, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. I'll say, I'll call it how I see it. I wouldn't care. So the whole so that's that's the you know that's the NBA for you. Anyway, let's move on here. We might actually we we're almost up against it, so I won't get to the hockey stuff. But there there was some hockey news. There was some hockey news that I might get to if I could find it. Cause I did promise some hockey. Now um, what I was gonna say. There was something that happened with hockey that people were kind of pissed off about this weekend. Uh, if I can find it, I gotta find it first. I don't even know if I can find the story. Hmm. Uh, let me see. It has something to do with the national anthem. That's why I want to talk about it here. It's not like on ice news, of course, but it's something that is starting to spread across the sports world. And I'm starting to notice a pattern. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Before we get out of here. Okay, so. Pull up the story right here. So, over the weekend... There was a uh, national anthem. Hockey had their the game. I think the game was in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. The hell was that? The game was in Canada. And let me read this. And if uh, NHL has come under fire after singer Kai Kaina, I don't even know her name. Kaina Ludi. Don't know who that is. And this singer wore a pro-Palestine attire while singing the U.S. National Anthem at the league's All-Star Game. This is She's an L.A.-based singer, 26 years old. She was invited by the NHL to perform the National Anthem in Toronto. And um, Ludi, Ludi, who is known for supporting Palestinians or Palestinians amid the war between Israel and Hamas terrorist group in Gaza, wore a uh, a cardigan-style sweater that resembled a kafiyah, kafiyah, 
I guess it's that thing that they wear. Um, the, the the Palestinians wear. Look, I don't know anything about this stuff, okay? But the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think it's kind of odd. Like the what, what was the NHL thinking? Like you have your All Star game, right? Up in Toronto. Did you really need to bring in a pro Palestinian? Singer? Like, what was the point of that? You had to know that this wasn't going to turn out well. You had to know. Like, why can't sports leagues just stay out of it? And you're the NHL. You know, like, it'd be one thing if the NBA tried this. Because the NBA is very left-wing. has a very left-leaning type audience and pandering. But why is the NHL going that route? Right? Why is the NHL doing that? That I don't understand. And at first I was thinking maybe they didn't know that she was, but it says that she's well known for this. Right? She's probably more known for that than for her being a uh, a um, a singer. Because I didn't never heard of her. So um So they said that the outfit has become a uh, symbol of solidarity worldwide for those who are pro-Palestinian. And it seems to be the same pattern as the the cardigan, cardigan, whatever. Uh, Yeah, it says she she has been outspoken about the support for Palestinians, which is why some took exception to her singing at the All-Star game. So, uh, yeah, people are upset with this. Now, she did respond on social media. Uh, oh, this is her supporting Hamas. Oh, I mean, sorry, not Hamas. Uh, supporting Palestinians. I don't want to make say she supported Hamas because I don't see that. I'm just trying to be correct here. Now, it says, oh, back on December 11th in 2023, she tweeted out, I try to live my life and build my career around rawness, awareness, empathy, community. That doesn't stop at my shows. So I ask that if you own a kafia, I guess that's what that thing's called, please wear it. If you can show any sign that you support the Palestinian people, do it. I know I've, I probably said the name of that thing wrong. And look, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not part of that stuff. I don't know anything about this community. But what I do know is, and I maybe you know. Here's the thing: two people could be wrong here, right? The NHL did not do their homework, or maybe the NHL supports that they're, they're, they're taking a stand in their pro Palestine. Maybe that's what they're doing, right? As they're hosting their All Star game in Toronto, maybe they thought this is an opportunity to. Get another fan base. So you got this black woman here. She's a black woman. Right? Singing the national anthem at the NHL All-Star Game. And she comes in and brings her pro-Palestine mess. That does not belong in sports. That's my big problem. Why even go there if you're the NHL? What's the point of bringing that in? What's the point? Because you all you're going to do is cause an issue. It makes no sense to do that. So, 
And she's she's been very clear on her stance here. You got to just stay away from that. You can't tell me you couldn't find another 20-something-year-old singer in L.A. to sing the national anthem because she's not a big star. I've never heard of her. Uh, is she somebody huge? What's her social media look like? Yeah, she she only for someone that she she has two hundred thousand uh, followers. She's not a huge star, like for someone in L.A. That's she's not an influencer, right? She's just a singer. There there uh there are social media influencers that have bigger followings than her. I'm looking at her tweets now. She doesn't really get any interactions, or her tweets are very. So she's not no one huge. So why did the NHL seek her out? It's kind of weird. Now she responded. Um, I don't know if she responded to that. She put out tweets about something about being a black woman, and so yeah, so she's playing a race card, and she's, you know, her photos. She's half naked. So she's one of those influencers that sings, but look at my booty and stuff like that. And um, yeah. So, I, I I don't get it. I don't understand why they picked her. And the NFL, of NHL Public Relations Department, they reached out to her. They said, yeah, this would be a good idea to bring her in. You know? This would be a good idea to bring her in. I mean, I just don't get what that, that thought process was. And what they were really thinking. Look, if they if they trying to get more eyeballs, I guess causing stirring up some controversy will help. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think it was kind of of a uh, a questionable decision to say the least. Questionable decision. Yeah, she's she she's what she. I'm looking at the social media now. She is very open about where she stands and so so some of the comments on this article said is is telling one person said feeling so good about my decision to eat nachos tonight and to continue not tuning into professional sports these professional organizations do not get the memo to keep politics out of the equation Exactly. See, even the people in the comments are understanding this. Nobody wants this stuff in their sports. Think about this. You pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go to an all-star game to see your favorite hockey players play, enjoy the time, but then you get somebody coming there because they want to, you know, to push their their social agenda. Look, you want to support Palestine? You you want to, you know, have some sovereignty or solidarity with the Palestinian people? That's fine. You do what you got to do. But do you have to make it a statement for your sporting event? I mean, if I go to a sporting event, I don't want to see any political thing. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a Palestinian. I don't care if it's Israel. I don't care if it's MAGA. I don't care what it is. I don't want to see it at the sporting event. It makes no sense, and and that's why and, and it's kind of is, and this is my one gripe with the, I didn't want to go politics here. Matter of fact, 
I will talk about this in another on my other podcast. On my unscripted opinions podcast, I'll get deep into this, deeper because I don't want to make this a political thing. But I don't, I don't go to, I don't want to go to sporting events and see political statements or social justice statements. Right, get it out to sports, and these leagues are going to learn the hard way. They really are. They're going to learn the hard way. Let's see what other people said about this. Another person said, it's no wonder sports is losing fans. I guarantee that if sports gambling wasn't around, ratings would drop 50%. Sad to say that the only reason most fans have any interest is because of fantasy sports and betting. Another good point. Sports betting has kept the fans around. That is very true. I didn't even think about that dynamic. Sports betting is the single thing saving professional sports right now. Saving it. Without betting and, and gambling. Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe they thought, well, the fans are not going to go anywhere because we got the gambling. Right? Because think about it. There's no coincidence that this stuff started happening. The leagues started getting more and more lazy when it comes to quality of play. Storyline, they're becoming more and more obvious that it's scripted, more and more obvious that they pick who they want to win. The quality of play is down. They change the rules and make it easier for the offense. They pretty much take away half of the the side of the field, make them almost useless. NBA, same thing. Everything becomes a three-point shootout. Guys standing around. You can't touch a guy no more without getting called a foul. Everything has gotten worse. And... But the fans have continued to support the league because of the gambling, the sports betting part of it, right? They've made money. They've made up for whoever left. And they said, well, you know, people are not going to go that far. They'll leave, but they'll come back. Even if they don't watch the game, they'll still bet on it, check on the scores later. They'll go turn on Sports Center to get the highlights. They will still be here. So they got them regardless. You're going to spend more money losing gambling on sports than you would if you went to the game, right? Whoever is not going to the game is probably sitting at home gambling on this fantasy app. You're spending 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a night. You already pay for tickets indirectly. You're staying engaged. They got you. And they know that. So they got everybody. And if you hate it, if you go online and say, oh, I'm boycotting the NFL. I've seen that so many times, but then the same people that said they boycotting the NFL are now going crazy because Taylor Swift was shown on TV a bunch of times. Now, mind you, that's annoying as hell. But if you boycotted the NFL, you wouldn't have known that Taylor Swift was on your TV unless you're watching the NFL, which means you didn't boycott it, right? So that in itself... They know how to get us, and they continue to get us. Most of you, not me. And the sports betting is another element to that. A billion-dollar industry, of course. Uh, another person wrote, How is it that... How is it... What? How is that thing allowed to sing our national anthem and get away with supporting Hamas? The NHL needs to explain. 
Uh, I'm not even going to get into that one. This person clearly is <laughs> that thing. I mean, it's a little bit of, you know, come on, calling people that thing. Like, that's kind of messed up. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the whole, look, the Palestine, the pro-Palestinian, is it pro-Hamas? I mean, many Americans believe that. That's what their position is if you're not pro-Israel. I don't understand being pro-Israel either, to be honest. Um, uh, you should be pro-America, if anything. Another person said, never heard of her, so couldn't care less who she supports or doesn't. The NHL should tread lightly, or they will end up in the same boat, in the same hot water. The NFL and NBA are in for virtual signaling and alienating their fan base. That's true. That's a good point. Um, the NHL should tread carefully. They should tread real lightly here. And that I mean, I said it already. I was like, look, I don't think. I, I don't care about her and her support for Palestinian people. The point is the NHL needs to understand and be aware of what's going on and why that would be a dumb move to bring her in. No reason for that. Now, there's no... They just said that she wore a cloth or some kind of clothing that represents the Palestinians. Now, I'm assuming that that type of gear is probably worn by the terrorists in Palestine. I don't I'm not really fully aware of the whole situation out there and you know, so I'm not going to try to pretend that I know exactly what she's trying to relay. But I will say is that the topic is way too hot for the NHL to get involved in. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to take a side or a position. I'm just saying that's a hot topic and that's a real, real bonehead decision for the NHL relations, public relations department to say, hey, it'd be a good idea to invite this girl who is openly, you know, having her her views on this stuff and will probably bring that to an event that is a large event that's going to get eyeballs. I don't know what where she performs at, but like I said, many people don't even know who she is. Now they do. So she took a, a place where it was... An event, even though it's an NHL All-Star game, it's still, if you're a nobody and you get on that stage, you can get some eyeballs. And she took advantage of that. Now, the story would have been even bigger if she was at an NBA game or an NHL game. So, luckily it was on an NHL. Or NFL game or NBA game. Uh, Yeah, so that's most of the comments. I mean, the comments pretty much all agree with me or just the most of the rational people who say this is a dumb move by the NHL. So that's that. Anyway, and I think that's it. We're going to wrap up this podcast today. It was a little longer than usual. We had to cut a couple times because, you know, technical difficulties. And uh, so I thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And we will be back next week look out on social media at gridiron steady on twitter x and you can follow me directly at real sean brooks on x and we'll, we will have i will have super bowl picks friday 
All right? Sports page run by sports fans. Peace.